We cannot serve sin. We cannot become slaves to sin again if we are in Christ. Sin cannot reign in our lives. We cannot lead a lifestyle of sin. If a believer lives a lifestyle of sin without any regard for the Lord, then that simply defies the very intention of the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to free us from sin. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about when God's mercy runs out. The Bible teaches us that the Lord is truly great in mercy and grace, and that He is love. He is also extremely patient. However, that does not mean we can take advantage of Him and try to step all over His good intentions because we choose to willfully disregard and challenge Him by leading a lifestyle of sin. God is slow to anger, so that implies there is a limit and that this limit should not be pushed. God's mercy can run out. Today's message is inspired on the book of Jeremiah, chapter 21. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory and praise be to you, O Lord God. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. For you are the one that was, that is, and is to come, the one that will reign and always and forever. Heavenly Father, I praise your name. Blessed are you, O Lord God, for your goodness, for your, for your mercy, O Lord, for your grace, for your love. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, because there is no one like you. I pray in the name of Jesus, O Lord, as always, that you may please forgive my sins and my wrongs, Heavenly Father. I pray, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that you may look upon us on your mercy and a grace. Heavenly Father, I pray, O Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you may help us to understand that you may help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to have a soft heart before you, to have an open mind, Lord God. Blessed be your name forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today's key passage reading can be found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 21. This is the word of the Lord. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent him Peshur, the son of Melchiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Messiah, the priest, saying, Please inquire of the Lord for us, for Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, makes war against us. Perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to all his wonderful works, that the king may go away from us. Then Jeremiah said to them, Thus you shall say to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands, with which you fight against the king of Babylon and the Chaldeans who besiege you outside the walls, and I will assemble them in the midst of this city. I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in anger and fury and great wrath, I will strike the inhabitants of this city, both man and beast. They shall die of a great pestilence. And afterward, says the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah, his servants and the people, as such as are left in this city from the pestilence and the sword and the famine into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their life. And he shall strike them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them or have pity or mercy. 
Now you shall say to this people, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes out and defects to the Chaldeans who beseech you, he shall live, and his life shall be as a prize to him. For I have set my face against this city for adversity and not for good, says the Lord. It shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. And concerning the house of the king of Judah, say, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of David. Thus says the Lord, Execute judgment in the morning, and deliver him who is plundered, out of the hand of the oppressor, lest my fury go forth like fire and burn, so that no one can quench it, because of the evil of your doings. Behold, I am against you, O inhabitant of the valley, and rock of the plain, says the Lord, who say, Who shall come down against us, or who shall enter our dwellings? But I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings, says the Lord. I will kindle a fire in its forest, and it shall devour all things around it. What we have read is an example of when God grows weary with a group of people who knows what is right, but refuses to do so. God was speaking to his people, to the people of Judah, and not to people that were foreign to him. Why would God speak like this to his own people? Because he had grown weary of their sin. God is great in mercy and loving and graceful. But just because he is slow to anger, as the Bible says, does not mean that if there is persistence in sinning, that his anger will never come. Many people take for granted his mercy and grace, and many people think that God is a God that will never get angry and that he is always going to show his mercy and grace. But that is not so. Now, when does God get angry with his people? What drives him to the point of punishment, especially considering that everyone sins? Although sin is sin, and for the intents and purposes of salvation, we need to repent and convert from all of our sins. The Lord makes a distinction between sins as we walk in Him. We find continual forgiveness for our sins in the Lord if we live a genuinely repentant and transformative life in Him. But the very distinction that God makes among sin itself is the intent and what the sin actually is. For instance, there's a big difference between the sin that is not done intentionally or not habitual and the practice of sin. In other words, one of the main distinctions the Word of God makes is the difference between sinning and the practice of sin. There is an abysmal difference, if you will, between one and the other. The truth is that we all will sin until the day we die, even as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, but we should not practice sin. The practice of sin is when you do those things that God warns against and do them to the point that it becomes a lifestyle. The Bible gives these warnings even in the dispensation of God's grace through Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 5 says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I'll tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice in this passage that it says that those that practice such things, meaning that the things that are wrong become a lifestyle, when people do them without any kind of regard or fear for the Lord. There is another passage that gives a similar warning. 
First Corinthians chapter six says this, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Notice that in both passages, the word mentions that those that practice such things, that their lifestyles are made up of these things, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Children or sons and daughters are those that inherit from their parents. They are the heirs, and as heirs, they inherit whatever their parents leave for them. And so God is speaking to his people here, to his children, and that if they practice sin, that if sin becomes their lifestyle, that they simply will not inherit the kingdom of God. More clearly said, even though they are God's children, if they persist or practice or lead a lifestyle of sin, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a truth that is not preached from many pulpits. God is love and grace and mercy, but God has never, nor will he ever forgive the practice of sin. That's the difference. We will all sin, but we cannot practice sin. There needs to be a limit. Romans chapter six says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And the Bible continues giving us the same counsel in the same chapter where it says, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. This is the main distinction that we are taught in the Word of God. We cannot serve sin. We cannot become slaves to sin again if we are in Christ. Sin cannot reign in our lives. We cannot lead a lifestyle of sin. If a believer lives a lifestyle of sin without any regard for the Lord, then that simply defies the very intention of the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to free us from sin. Why would we go back to the very things God attempted to free us from? Why continue to serve sin and death? Hebrews chapter 10 gives the ultimate warning to God's people regarding the willful practice of sin. When there is ultimately rebellion in God's so-called people, those that choose to sin intentionally and deliberately, leading a lifestyle of sin, becoming slaves again to serve sin. 
For it says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, and again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Do you understand that there is no room for a lifestyle of sin in God's people? Many preachers and teachers of the word instill that God is love and all forgiving and that God forgives everything and that we should not fear God. But that is not what the Bible teaches. Every believer in Christ should learn to love the Lord, but also to have a healthy measure of fear for the Lord as well. You can't try to walk all over God and pretend like everything's going to be fine. That is just not possible. We can have our challenges. We can have our stumbling. There can be points of weaknesses. And God has mercy and grace and grants forgiveness when we have our moments of stupidity. And believe you and me, we all have them. I am certainly not the exception. We all have our weaknesses when there are moments we give in to our weaknesses, but there must be a limit. God says this in his word also in 2 Timothy chapter 1, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind means that you have been given through the Holy Spirit self-control. You have the power to stop the practice of sin in your life. You can say no. And that's why God has a problem with the practice of sin, because he has equipped us through the Holy Spirit to be able to put under submission those things that bring about death and destruction in our lives. And so quite simply, if a person lives a lifestyle of sin, if they subject themselves to serving sin yet again, then that means that they are choosing to do so. They want to live that way. And that is where God draws the line. That is where his grace and mercy begin to wear thin. In Judah's case, where did they push God to his limits to the point of him turning against them? God's mercy runs out when there is an extended period of time dedicated to idolatry, as well as when people treat wrongfully their neighbor for an extended period of time. God's mercy doesn't wear off on instances or moments of stumbling, but rather when something that is completely wrong is done willfully and unrepentantly for a long period of time without any regard for him and his word. He only knows his limit, but there is a limit and that is a problem. James chapter four says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. This is how people on their own begin to bring about judgment upon themselves. Even those people that profess to believe in the Lord when they practice sin willfully, knowing full well that they know that what they're doing is wrong. There is an accountability before the Lord when a person has been exposed to his truth and refuses to follow it. Now, what are the signs when God grows weary with a group of people? In today's passage, we read that the Lord allows for the sword, for famine, and for pestilence. Pestilence is a spread of disease at an alarming rate. An example of this today is COVID. 
People can come up with all kinds of ideas of how it came about and whether it was something accidental or intentional. The truth of the matter is that God ultimately allowed for this to happen. Now, it does not mean necessarily that those people that got COVID are more sinful than others and that they are punished for that. It just means that God has allowed for something global to happen that should shake the foundations of our societies to understand that there is something very wrong spiritually as a group, especially with groups of people that know the truth. People now more than ever as a group are trying to get God out of the picture and project their own agenda forward that supports sin, especially groups of people that know what is right and wrong and do not ignore God's truth. You have a large movement of people supporting abortion and sexual deviance, violence, and so on. All things that we all know full well that go against what the Word of God says by adopting these things as acceptable lifestyles. And this is happening in our Christian communities. And I take no pleasure in saying this, but if we as a Christian society continue persisting in condoning a lifestyle of sin, COVID will only be the beginning there will be a greater and more complicating problems that will occur and there will be nothing in general that humanity will be able to do to stop it because they will be fighting against God himself. Famine is another thing that God brings about as judgment for willful and explicit defiance against him. What is famine? Lack of food and with that comes the increase in cost. Do you think it is an accident that the average price of a gallon of milk in the United States is close to $4 in some places and that it is almost $5 in others? And all of us all over the world are seeing tremendous food shortage and our foods don't even last the time that they should last. There are many times that we buy certain foods that have to be thrown out within one or two days of, being, of buying it because it goes bad almost right away. And of course, we have escalating world hunger issues, not only in impoverished third world countries, but there is even scarcity in first world countries where people are selling whatever possessions they have to move to some other part of the world with the hope to be able to make a living. We have mass migrations all over the world happening. Thousands upon thousands of people moving from country to country because they cannot subsist where they are. And similar to the explanation provided with COVID before, that if it happens to certain people, that does not mean that this is happening to more sinful and bad people. It's again the manifestation of God's displeasure with large groups of people rebelling against the Lord knowingly and supporting sinful lifestyles. And the third thing he allows for is for enemies to come and invade and conquer those people that do rebel against him. And in today's age, it may happen in a conventional way with obvious war, but it can also happen with other measures. Today, one of the greatest wars we have are trade wars, international debt, where there is no need to be invaded by large armies when you are owned by as, as a country by exuberant debt. Nonetheless, invasions will occur and conventional war will begin to multiply where everyone loses. If our societies don't turn away from willfully and intentionally condoning all those things that the Bible says that bring about death and destruction. And keep this in mind, the practice of sin can be a silent killer, if you will. A person may not see the consequences here and now and today, and that is why it is taken so lightly. But the worst consequences come after when there is nothing that can be done about it. 
There will be many awful surprises, per se, when each person stands before God's judgment, including those that call themselves believers in Christ. Because again, the Bible quite simply says that those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so a person can believe all they want, that God forgives everything and that you can do whatever you want. But when that moment comes and God says, I cannot let you into my kingdom, that will be the most awful and terrible experience anyone will ever live. The Lord Jesus Christ put it like this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Nothing good can ever happen when a person or groups of people exhaust God's mercy. And there can be dire consequences here and now at some point if there is persistence and, of course, eternal and everlasting consequences if a person and or groups of people persist in their evil until the day they die. God is love, but God is also consuming fire. When God's grace runs out, which is what we are starting to see today, now, we need to seek the Lord individually now more than ever. Here's where we do find God's grace and mercy. When we acknowledge we have done wrong before the Lord, when we turn away from our sins with all of our hearts to live a lifestyle that honors and pleases the Lord, to do the Lord's will rather than follow Satan's lies and the world's destructive ways. Ezekiel chapter 14 says, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. This passage lists three men in the Bible, and that if we are like them, that we would only free ourselves from what is coming upon the whole world. Noah was a man that defied human civilization's rebellion and decadence, remaining faithful to the Lord, never giving in. And he believed God when God told him that he was going to destroy the world with a flood. And he built an ark, just as the Lord commanded him, because he had faith in God. He believed what God told him. Job was a man that endured all kinds of trials and tribulations, all kinds of hardship, and remained faithful to the Lord in all that he went through. He struggled, he suffered, but he never renounced his faith in the Lord. Actually, quite the contrary. He came out stronger and more dedicated to the Lord in the end. And then we have Daniel, a young man that was unwilling to contaminate himself with paganism and idolatry and the things that were involved with those practices even though he was a slave and he could have died for his resistance. Daniel never gave in to the world's influences and delights, no matter what his position was. Daniel defied the world because of his faith and love for the Lord. But of course, the ultimate example for us to follow is Jesus Christ. We need to follow the Lord and do as he taught us and live the way he lived. And the Bible says that he was obedient even until the cross. Jesus had the choice to back out, especially as the God he was and is, but he didn't. 
He endured all kinds of injustice and death on the cross because he desired to obey his Father to the fullest and because he knew that there would be greater things accomplished through his sacrifice. We need to turn away from all of our sins and let God work in our lives. We cannot adopt the world system no matter how much we think it suits us and caters to our own sinful desires. If we want to experience God's grace and forgiveness, we must repent and convert. We must allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. We must be soft and malleable in the Lord's hands, willing to do what He desires for us to do, rather than practicing those things that only bring about our own death and destruction. Don't take God's mercy and grace and love for granted. Don't try to abuse them. Don't step all over God's love, but rather, Embrace Him and let Him give you all the things that He has prepared for those that love Him. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, Holy God, Mighty God, Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you help us, O Lord, to be mindful of what your Word truly teaches. That yes, you are love, but that yes, you can also be consuming fire when we sin willfully against you, when we turn against you, Lord God. Because when we sin, when we adopt those things, O Lord, that truly dishonor you, Lord God, when we adopt the lifestyle of sin, Heavenly Father, we really turn against you. We turn away from you, Lord God. We turn away from life. Heavenly Father, we turn away from the eternity that you have for us through Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, help us never to take your love and your mercy and your grace for granted. Help us, O oh Lord, Heavenly Father, to be mindful that you are a loving God, but that you are also a fearful God, the one that will choose where we spend eternity based on, Lord, on what we do with your grace on what we do with our salvation, on what we do with your gift. For your gift is free. It's a gift of life, of eternal life through Jesus Christ. But we are granted that gift and that eternal life so that we could use it for good and not for evil. So we can use our newfound freedom in Christ to be able to do those things that honor you and please you rather than to do those things that dishonor the name of Jesus and that bring about our own destruction. Heavenly Father, help us to be mindful of these things. Help us, O oh Lord, to be able to treasure your grace and your salvation and not to forsake it, Lord God. Help us to remember the price of the cross and what our salvation cost, Lord God, and not to take it so lightly because it was a gift. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.